for the Ninth Colony. I am from England in Hertfordshire, uh, which is very green and rural. I've lived all over Europe, which is not always green and rural, so it's many hot countries are not. I work in the construction industry at present. Uh, hopefully, um, I'll be on a yacht very shortly, spending my money from the proceeds of the movie we're about to make. My book, obviously, is about colonies of humans, not about Darwin's theory, which I believe to be a nonsense. And it asks the question of where we actually come from and what we're capable of. This is a continuing episode of a series about the Ninth Colony by Colin Curtis. What about the relationship between science fiction and science fact? Yes, I think that could be a grey area, to be honest. I mean, some of it is obviously science fiction at the moment, but science fiction could become science fact. If we had a race that was open, that visited us and was open and shared their technology with us, fiction would become fact. We've already spoken about the mobile phones and, as you said, like, like the data things where you can tap that and talk to someone over there, you know what I mean, similar to what the Star Trek thing. So, yeah, science fiction does become science fact. You, you go back many years and, and you see all the science fiction programs from the 50s and 60s predicting what might happen in the year 2000. Yeah, it's, it's all happening now. It's happening now. So science fiction does become science fact, I think. Mm-hmm. But maybe that's because when it's shown, it, it has an influence for someone to build it, you know? Yeah. And that goes back to what we were talking earlier about how science fiction might prepare us for thinking differently, to be more yeah. accepting or more cautious about certain things that could be happening in the future. Yeah. All right. I think, well, there'll be issues... I mean, we have issues now with creed and race and colour and stuff like that. Not The majority of us don't have a problem with these sort of things and we don't care, you know what I mean? But there are the select few that will be negative towards, let's say, other races, other, other planetary species and stuff like that. You know that's all going to go on, but... Hmm. Um, but yeah, what can I say? These things will happen, obviously, and we'll just have to get over that. So, but absolutely on the science fiction and fact thing. So, you know, that, that's an interesting point about how science. So, the point I think we could talk about is how science fiction affects a culture. And mm-hmm. are you of the opinion that? People who are interested in science fiction tend to be more diverse in thinking about other yes. people and cultures. I think so. Yeah, I think look, there tend to be more. I use the word logical, but more more straight to the point. And yes, they they tend to be more like that. I think definitely. So rather than people that don't are a little bit blinded to life a little bit sometimes. I think so. You have to be open in life to sort of take on everything, don't you? Really. So anything is possible at the end of the day. So. Why would you shut yourself out to it? So, but some people are reserved, unfortunately. But and there will always be the select few that are. But um, it's yeah. like it won't be so. <laughs> right, I'll be ready for what's coming, haven't you? At the end of the day, so 
I think science fiction is like a, if you will, a training ground for accepting different people. Because if you're going to be on a starship with other aliens and you see people like you yep. working with aliens who aren't like you and accepting uh-huh. them and having relationships, I think that changes how you see the world a, a bit. And of course, uh, yeah. absolutely, yeah. I mean, we've had the problem with with the race and color in in America. We get it in England as well. But you know, over the years, it's changed. When I when I was a boy racism to a degree was accepted now we find it abhorrent you know what i mean we, do, we don't we're not interested in stuff like that it's, it's a terrible thing but some people are still set in their ways and and just carry on with this you know but you, you have to learn to accept and move on at the end of the day we're all equal and we're all capable of contributing no matter what color creed or race you are mm-hmm. and that's going to be how it is when we meet species from other planets definitely so mm-hmm. I do think that would be an issue initially, probably, hmm. with, them, with them to us as well, not just with us to them. So. <laughs> I, I think, so my hypothesis is if they're the travelers and we're the, the people on the planet, they're probably more diverse in thinking already because they're traveling. But, but yeah, of course, there'll still be some hang-ups, yeah. Exactly. Yeah, without a doubt. Obviously, they're, they're moving around, they're meeting the different people. We're not, we're just imagining it at the end of the day, so... But I do think our society has moved forward leaps and bounds in the last sort of two or three decades, definitely. So, Do you feel like it's speeding up? Are we becoming more flexible and thinking? I think so, yeah. I do believe so, yeah. Um, as I say, they're always the diehard idiots at the end of the day. But, yeah, I think in general society is moving forward. Hmm. Maybe that's what the aliens from other races are waiting for. Maybe they, that's why they're not landing on our lawns yet. Yeah, yeah, that could be. Yeah, it's, it's always very uh, interesting. So let's talk about that for a second. Um, the Fermi paradox. Are you familiar with that? The, no, I don't. So, so that's about the theory about if there were aliens from other worlds, why don't we know they're here? And I know you, we can okay. say that there's been stories that they were, but we don't listen to those people. Anyways, let me just hear what you think about the Fermi paradox. Where, what is your view about the universe and, and aliens, and, and why why aren't they so forthcoming? <laughs> I believe they are there, and I believe they have been here. And I think there's obviously a reason why they're not dropping down on the lawn. I, I, I mean, there could be many reasons, couldn't they? They could be here for trade. For, um, and then trading with people in power, obviously, mm. because they'll give them what they want. They could be way more advanced than us socially, and therefore they don't feel that our society is ready to receive them yet. Mm. Maybe they think that we will be scared and aggressive towards them because generally if we don't like something, we try to destroy it. Mm-hmm. Our history shows that at the end sure. of the day. Yeah, There could be a thousand reasons at the end of the day, but I do believe they're there, and I do believe the day will come where they drop down. But personally, I think it's probably because they feel we're not ready to receive them yet. So, But they don't seem too bothered about being sighted because <laughs> it happens all the time, you know. <laughs> I, I, had, I had an incident myself many years ago, so oh. people think I'm a little bit mad, but I, I was got on my way to work in a, in a truck, basically, about five in the morning. I had a, a workmate sitting next to me who was snoring away in, in the passenger seat pitch black lane and then all of a sudden the engine cut down i started losing revs and Mm. then the whole thing was lit up Mm. above me literally Mm. like it was daylight seemed like forever it was probably a few seconds if the truth's known i still the engine was still running but it didn't have any power the radio cut out um lots of different dash lights come on i looked up couldn't see nothing obviously blinded by lights Mm. 
yeah, you could say maybe it was a helicopter, but there was no noise and there was no sound. Mm. Uh, and within a split second, it was gone. Hmm. I'm like, wait, 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 up. It's like, did you see that? Did you see that, Steve? Did you see that? And, and he was, and obviously, they just played a ridicule card. But, <laughs> but I'm telling you, mate, he said, uh, he said, he said, well, I, I didn't see anything. Obviously, I was fast asleep. So, uh. but, you know, I saw it. And I, I know it was there, so, but I mean, and we're going back probably 20 years, you know, so it weren't a drone or anything like that because they weren't uh, around at the time. So, right. and it, this was pitch black. It was pitch black and all of a sudden, mm. like daylight, literally like daylight, which was quite mad, do you know what I mean? So, mm. I can't explain that to, the, to this day. So, yeah. I, I tell people that and they're like, yeah, okay, you've been anally probed or whatever. So. <laughs> Like, well, if I was, it didn't bother me too much. So. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah. You know. No, that's that's all. That's all very good. And there's a large like this is one of the consistencies ac- across all societies on Earth is that there's always in different cultures the same story about uh, an encounter like that. Uh, like, like for example, I lived in China seven years as well, and that's also something that that comes up. Right, so, uh- yeah, in America, it's quite uh, prominent, isn't it, from experiences of sightings and, and the like. So, yeah, but we, we've had our share of them here as well. But you know, and the military at the time said, "No, nothing. It's nothing, and whatever. It's a weather balloon." But and yet now, when they start twenty-five years later releasing all the paperwork, they're actually now admitting that there were sightings and there were trajectories they couldn't explain and impossible speeds that they couldn't possibly have been doing at the time. So, hmm. of course, they've been here, obviously. So. I do a lot of work on military bases, and uh, we have a base over here called Chicksands, which is in Bedford, hmm. which was used to be an American base, funny enough, but then it went over to the Canadians and then English. But oh. there's one part of the base which they have a big circular building, and it's totally guarded. You're not allowed anywhere near it, and I've got top clearance. We cannot go anywhere near it, and as far as we understand, there's about seven or eight levels underground, hmm. and this is like our own Area 51. Oh, but how true that is, I don't know. But uh, <laughs> they're not giving out tours yet, huh? <laughs> yeah. But you cannot go anywhere near this place. It is so uh-huh. super secure with soldiers and guns all over the place, you know. And we've got top clearance to go right the way through the military prisons and everything else. But uh-huh. can't go near that. You know what I mean? So huh. you got to wonder why, haven't you? So well, what is it in your background that gives you uh, top clearance? Well, I've been working for the military for twenty-five years. Uh-huh. That they vet you, they DBS check you, you obviously check for police record, your families are checked, so you can't have any Irish in your family, you can't have any, you've got to be sort of pure blood basically to get oh, wow. that clearance, you know what I mean? Oh. And as I say, I've been working for many, many years and, and slowly as you've worked with them and they learn to trust you, they give you higher and higher clearance. So so I, I have all that sort of clearance with as a contractor. You know, oh, so. Okay. So, which means we can work in buildings that many contractors can't. So we we get the contracts, obviously, which is great because it keeps us in work. So <laughs> yeah, right, right, right. Hopefully, um, once this thing goes to movie, then I won't need to be a contractor anymore. So we'll, we'll see. Yeah, yeah, that, that'd be awesome. Uh, good luck on uh, you know. I wish you the best on that. Sci-Fi Thoughts wants to expand. We want to grow from not just your podcast player, but to spread to your co-workers, your family, and your friends. 
But I haven't got any friends. Why, you little... One, two, three... Oh, no, you don't. We know you've got friends who are, who are into the science, who are into science fiction. These are the people who are playing Halo and Stellaris and, and other space games instead of watching college football. There are the ones in the NASA t-shirts who are busy inventing something with their 3D printers. Email them a link to this podcast. Send them a social media request. Heck, even speak to them and tell them that you've enjoyed the show. The main point is to impress upon them how much you enjoy sci-fi thoughts. Tell them to go to the URL sci-fi thoughts.space. Don't keep sci-fi thoughts secret because keeping secrets from science fiction fans just isn't nice. Check out the show notes, and there you will find a link to Colin's book trailer for The Ninth Colony. And it's very fetching with lots of action and epic anticipation. So check it out. How, how to find the show notes? If you use a podcast player, they show up right there in your player as you get this episode. But if you downloaded this episode from the website, go back to the website where you downloaded this MP3 and you will see the show notes there. This series started at episode 233. If you missed it, go back to sci-fi thoughts.space and use the search box to search it up. Next episode, more Colin Curtis. Why don't you go ahead and uh, read through that first chapter? As they climbed out of the work van, a huge shadow appeared above them, instantly blocking out the sunlight. They naturally looked up and were in shock and awe at what they saw. A craft was circling above them, just out of reach. It was approximately 30 feet in diameter, black in colour and circular in design. It made no sound. In fact, everything around it also fell into a deafening and eerie silence. It seemed that time itself had stood still. Simon was the first to attempt to touch it, without too much success. Still, it just hovered there, as if it were waiting for something, or maybe it was just observing them. 